This is Fam Electric Ghost on the air with Jocelyn Chong for the first time. Thank you for being on the show. How are you tonight? Oh, thank you for having me on your show. I am doing great. Now, I want to let people know this podcast is sponsored by Newsly, and they are a podcast platform on iOS and Android. Uh, if you use coupon code GHOST, you get one month free premium subscription, so you can stop scrolling and start listening. This is a featured podcast on Newsly, or will be on Newsly within an hour. So again, thank you for being on the show. Uh, we always love talking to people from all over the world. That's been one of the things we love to do. Uh, we've been doing that since 2016, and it's always fun to meet new people. So one of the things that, that I wanted to talk to you about, you're a networking specialist and you're a keynote speaker, and you've won multiple awards around the world, and you're a best-selling author as well. So um, where did you want to start with your story uh, in terms of like with the audience? What do you think people should know about you first? Well, those four big titles that you pull out are incredible. So I will start from the fact that I was very privileged, born and raised in Malaysia. At the age of 17, I left home to pursue my tertiary education in Australia. When I graduated in accounting and finance, I told my parents I wanted to pursue my career in Australia and they gave me their blessing. So I pursued a banking finance career for 22 years and I reached a defining moment thinking that, all right, what's next? Because that defining moment was a defining moment that taught me that my career wasn't my life because my career was my entire identity. And so I thought, you know, I've got all these skills, qualifications, experience, knowledge. I could really start my own business because I had been serving people to help them generate billions in revenue. I think now is my time. So that small whisper that grew like a micro turn into action, created my business. And, you know, I started to build my client base, started to reach out to my local platform, did workshops, and then grew to a global reach now because of COVID. COVID, yes, I don't like, you know, that is a disease that kills people. But at the same time, during lockdown, I maximize every opportunity I can to build relationship at a global capacity. And so that made a lot of difference because Melbourne, where I live, was one of the top largest, most locked down places in the world. Now, yeah. for six years straight, we were the best place to be in the world, like global awards, tourism award. But during COVID, we also was, yeah. So, so that um, happened, and uh, I just took every opportunity and you know made friends and connected with people, and that was how you know things gradually evolved and um, grew, and my business expanded at a global capacity and connected with people globally, and that led me to a lot of new networks and collaborations and partnerships that I absolutely love doing 
and it opened up a whole new world. It's like, you know, um, just a kid in a new playground. So that wow. was my journey in that shell. That's interesting because I, I found um, like before lockdown, I, I became a podcaster in 2016, kind of before people really knew what it was. And uh, a guy called Rock Tunes, he was a DJ, found my music and interviewed me. And then we liked each other so much that we created a podcast and we did it together as two hosts for like six months. Then I went on and made my own show and I started interviewing international musicians all over the world. From 2018 to 2020, I interviewed over 350 musicians, including musicians in Australia and Germany, everywhere. And it was all online. So I was kind of prepping myself for, for like what happened with COVID because I did this whole thing where normally musicians, we travel and I started doing this. Everything was online, festivals online with my guests. And so I, people were saying, why are you doing everything online? I said, I don't know, it just works. So I was kind of prepped for when the COVID happened. I already had done hundreds of interviews with people all over the world and I had a structure where I had already built it so I could just do it from my house and I could keep on going. And so it kind of just like I just I had prepared for it without knowing it was coming. <laughs> mm. And I like that point where you mentioned because my career, I never really had to stay in the office. I had the freedom to move around so much. Like I travel interstate all the time. I move to different um, workshops and meetings and conferences throughout the day. So I was never in the office. And my team was in a region, like I was looking after 30, 40 branches in mm -hmm. banking. And so my team was not sitting on the same floor. And we always had teleconference and we had this meeting, not Zoom, but, you know, it's a video conferencing. Yeah. And I thought it was not too dissimilar when we transitioned to COVID and everyone was working from home because we were able to just accommodate for that. And I think that made such a big impact and easy transition for me when it was COVID to just even expand it at a global capacity to reach even more people across different time zones, cultural differences, different countries, different uh, programs, and just, yeah, the whole amazing reach out there. Yeah, it's just interesting because I know there's a lot of people at least I used to, you know, I had a kind of dual career. I'm an IT professional. I do software design. It's a good career if you want to be able to buy synthesizers. <laughs> so so um, I had this really good job and I, I used to have, be a road warrior. I'd be on planes flying around. I lived in Japan for two years. I, I would fly around. But then like it started getting to a point where I didn't need to fly around. And I started kind of, I didn't like having to be on the road from like, all the time. I was on the road from like Sunday to Thursday and then home for like three days and then I had to go back out or I'd be like somewhere for six months and, or I'd be somewhere for like in Japan. I was there for two years. No, I love being there though. But the whole idea is you didn't have to be that face-to-face -face anymore. The technology had shifted by the time you were like 2020. You didn't really need to have to have face-to-face, -face, at least for the stuff I was doing. I didn't have to do it. I could do it from home. So then I started kind of pointing out, I was like, for my quality of life, I want to do it from home because I don't want to be on the airport all day, be in Uber all the time, be at the airport, you know, be on the trains. I was like, why? Why do I have to do that? And so 
that I think that's where I started to kind of push back and say, I want to do what I want. I want my free time back. Um, so I can kind of do my own business, which is, you know, what this is, the podcast. But I think it's it's interesting uh when people find out that the power of, of what the social media is and for your networking capability, you're able to reach the whole world. Like I'm talking to from Australia and I've done, you know, a lot of talks with people from your end of the world. And it's, it's like, it's so seamless now what we can do. And it's not something we could have done like 10 years ago, but it seems like it's, it's a totally new world for opportunities. Absolutely. It's accessible. It's cost effective. You know, it reduces so much of disruptions as well. Like you said, you know, travel on train. And I used to take a 6 a.m. flight on the Monday morning and yeah. then a 6 p.m. flight out on a Friday, which means <laughs> I will have to beat traffic, right? Because Friday traffic is crazy. Everyone's Terrible, gone out for yeah. networking drinks or, you know, Friday lunches, which is always going to take, you know, three, four hours because, you know, you want to network after that. So I used to have lack of sleep. And Sunday, sometimes because we want to start earlier, we might leave on a fr um, Sunday evening. Yeah, I work, was leaving on Sunday. Which yeah. takes out <laughs> a lot of family time. But yeah, at that family. point in time, I was proud to do that because I thought it was glamorous. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think they kind of, like, I don't know, like the corporate world, the sacrifices we make for it, can we say, well, that's what it means to be on top. It means I can't oh, yes. always be with my family. It means I've got to be that dedicated to the to the comp company. That I'm I'm leaving on Friday at three in the afternoon, and I'm coming back on the red eye on Thursday night. You know, and it's like yeah. After a while, you start saying, "Well, you know, I do need to my family, and my family needs me, and like I can do this work." without doing that and it felt like people felt like you had to have that as a badge to honor your sacrifice it's like i'm on the red eye i'm in that uber at four in the morning it's like why do you have to do that you don't have to do that and you still can work smart you can still exactly. i do more work from home i do because i don't have to be in the uber i'm not on the plane so i actually can do more work <laughs> i used to do a lot of work on the plane download documents you know like yeah, a lot yeah. of feedback materials that i need to do on the plane and um make sure that you know we dial up the wi-fi remember <laughs> wi-fi mm -hmm. make sure that you know we charge our laptop before we get onto the plane all those little things that we want to maximize time um but now you know we can do so much from home and a better yeah. quality of life as well i think um a couple of things i also want to point out was you know living um away all the time you know our science routine is interrupted you know what we eat you know like i know that there was Why a nice, period healthy. of time i was making jamie oliver's um restaurant my kitchen every single night because <laughs> you know his restaurant was just around the corner i was like oh it's easy i would just work through my way on this menu but it was not healthy. And then your exercise routine can be interrupted because, you know, you're not always in the gym. You're not always, you know, running and you want to go in early. You want to maximize every hour you can in the office. But now all those things can be taken care of with Zoom, with, you know, Wi-Fi, with laptop, with Zoom, um, StreamYard and, you know, a variety of channels that you've just put out here. 
Yeah, it's just so interesting, you know, because I, musicians have always said, well, I got to be in the studio. And, you know, my, I have a home studio. Like, these are all my synthesizers sitting right there. And um, I'm collaborating with a musician in Japan. I'm working with a musician in Canada. I'm able to work. And we found, because of tech, tech has gotten to a point where we can use, like, digital audio workstations. We can use tools. And we can send each other files on Dropbox or Google Drive. And we can go into our own boards and we can work on songs. And we'll have meetings like this with an artist yeah and we'll, we'll go over it's like hey do we need to change the baseline change that so you can actually put albums together i'm working on finishing some and it, it it you don't have to actually physically meet you can actually get it done and so the, the idea was you couldn't do that that oh it's not going to be right you got to go face to face and some people still want to do it that way you know if you're a drummer you probably want to do it that way because that, that's kind of hard but um if you're not a drummer, almost everything else you can do. Um, so it me. just became, yeah, it became like, there's no reason why you can't. And uh, you, you end up writing more because if you think about musicians, like we have to travel so much to make money. We mm. make more money by doing shows. So if we can actually not have to do shows and we can go do them online and get paid because Facebook people can give us money. People can send you a mm. star and you can make money. You can save and set up an event and you can make money so that you don't have to go cut it with the venue. You don't have to go share it with the roadies. You can get all that money directly. And also you can spend more time writing your music and, and put out more, more work because you're less time in the bus, less time on the plane. It's the same thing. You don't have to be on the bus and the plane. So it ends up being a really good uh, time for all creative people to be able to really hone their craft. I learned, I found a lot of people who were learning new instruments during the lockdown. They like, oh, I always wanted oh, yes. to learn how to, how to learn something when learned a new instrument because like, okay, I have time to do it now. So it's, it's it, I think please take what adversity, adversity happens and, and you, you learn how to use it. And it sounds like you, you, you had skill sets and you didn't feel like you were hindered. You were able to keep on going. Yes, I was really blessed um, to be able to do that. I think because the the organization I was in was able to cater for that and they're across the country. But it limits me to my country only. It doesn't allow me to reach a global perspective because, you know, globally, you know, you got to cross different policies, procedures and the sign off and approvals. It gets really complicated. But um, yeah, now... Like you said, there's so many advantages of, you know, learning new instruments. And um, there's so many ways, even postage, you know, career around getting things quicker in the past is like it's going to take longer, five days. But now there is that ability to get it 24 hours, 48 hours. Yeah. And career yeah. system have improved significantly as well, which is such a blessing. So networking, maybe you can explain to me what it really means. Because you know, as a musician, you know, I've used this show and my example of a network is like I had a, a musician come on, we had a conversation and we liked each other so much we started working on an album. So that was kind of like a networking opportunity. We didn't even know we were going to do that. We just vibed really good. And then I'm, I'm like, oh, I'm now I'm working on their album. So like maybe you can talk about how that, that works in business. 
Absolutely. So you've just given a very practical real life example, right? Connect with someone and see there's an energetic exchange. You'll, you know, can vibe, you know, each other's style and there's just that good feeling, right? That there's an exchange. And then you think about what ways can I collaborate? What ways can I partner with each other? So a number of ways that we can network to hold out whole nother degree is let me actually pull it back let me talk about the traditional networking you go into um, an in-person event might buy a ticket you hang out and then you walk in you might be gathering around a crowd and more often than not people feel a little bit discomfort to pull ourselves out of that crowd because it's like, how do I excuse myself out of this crowd that I entered in but may not have the same vibe, right? And it's just a little bit awkward. And then it's like going into another crowd, how do I know? And then you kind of like need the courage, need the wisdom, need the skills to walk the floor or walk the group. Mm-hmm. But if it's a dinner, you're sitting in the same table very few people will walk up and introduce themselves to the next table Mm. or, you know, chat with the table behind. So my way of networking is you can get so much done with podcasting, get to know people and then share. There's a ton of way to share, right? You can do Facebook live together. You can do affiliate links. You can do referral agreement. You can promote each other's program. You can really exchange skills. So just a few lists of things I've done, right? Being a podcast guest, like what we're doing, um, being a guest blogger, being um, a guest um, teacher in someone else's mastermind, um, Mm -hmm. being a connecting, and then I'm recommended to become uh, a guest on someone's TV network. Um, become someone else's, um, I suppose, you know, they are selling a program and I'm promoting their graphics on my platform. They have got, you know, maybe a book that they wanted to share with my network and the topic, they can come and chat about it. There's a million ways for us to network now because thank God for Wi-Fi. And so yeah. it opens up the channel and in the past, yes, you can do it intimately in person, which is still good. I do both hybrid, but what if you want to go with like-minded people who really have got the network, you can have an intimate five from Japan, from Singapore, from Europe, from London, from US, and that is a global network rather than yeah, locally, sure. you know, you're limited to that, you know, region or that province. So it's just that expands a whole nother level. And for it's also good for a lot of people who are introvert. Because mm-hmm. when you go out networking, introvert will have got more areas to overcome, right? Fear of speaking, people fear being judged, how they look like, how they dress like, people fear how to introduce themselves, what 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 do they say? But when you're on one-on-one this way, everyone gets like, you know, 90 seconds and you can talk about who you are and you're prepped, you might get the agenda ahead of time. 
you're more ready. And yeah. yes, I think it's ideal for people who have got um, more fear around speaking that it helps them come out of their shell yeah, bring them out because of their they're shell. in the comfort of their own home. Once they increase and strengthen that muscle, they practice that maybe, you know, 100 times. When they go out for an in-person networking event, it gets easier <laughs> because they said it a thousand times now yeah. behind the screen. So one less skill to master and then they just need to master, all right, how to, you know, shake hand, how to introduce themselves, how to present. So it's just really, really ideal also for people who's got that introvert um, aspects in them that they want to sharpen different aspect of who they are whether it's like you know presentation skills eye contact tonality how they dress up how do they shake hand how do they use their body language to speak a whole host of things that they can strengthen layer by layer rather than in person is a lot to handle and so I witnessed both part and I see so much benefits in those things. So what I teach in my program and I show my clients to do is start small. Once you get a small win, it's easier to succeed the next round. And I have them customize what suits them in the networking stack. So there is summits. You can speak to 30,000 people in a summit. You can speak to a summit that you're being interviewed and then they actually then um, distribute that at a, a time that is um, decided already. And so it's yeah. easier. So this easier so many different ways. Stage yeah, if you have stage fright, you, you might not want that 30,000, but you could probably handle the in, intimate kind of interview that gets presented and pre-recorded and you might be kind of a, you know, make sure you want it perfect. So if it's pre-recorded, you can control it more. It's just been interesting because I, I started as an audio podcaster and then I saw, I found a power video. So in 2020, we converted from being an audio podcast to video and, and it, it changed our, our, our point of view because like when you do an audio, you don't have to think about what you look like. You don't have to think about how you're presenting yourself. You don't think about, What's there? You're just having a conversation. We still do some audio podcasting just because it's cool to do it because you don't have to think about presenting yourself visually. But the visual aspect of it has been really good in preparing you when you do have to go physically somewhere. I think it gets you in a better position because you're actually still reading people. Uh, you're reading, you know, body language and you're learning how to you know, use your hands or don't use your hands. <laughs> but um, I think it's, it's just been really fantastic for for the, the type of person that was, I was an introvert, you know, I'm 55. When I was young in, in my 20s, 20s, I would have never done what I'm doing. And I've done over 800 interviews now. And, and somebody would have thought, if they asked the 24-year-old me, they were like, he'd never do that. And yeah, yeah the 24-year-old me wouldn't have done it. But um it has brought me to a different place. Congratulations for your 800 interviews because that is something to celebrate. What I've heard is that a lot of podcast um, hosts, once they do up to 100-ish, you know, they, they lose their touch or they get bored and they don't know quite way to from there. 
And so to have that sustainability, right, that drive, and you're still so engaged, you're still so passionate, you're still um, able to go, what else I can do? You know, what's my next level? That is something to celebrate. And you should be so, so proud of yourself. Yeah, well, I was told that podcasts typically go six or 12 episodes or 12 months. And so I've been going almost seven years. And it really is the the thing is I, I, what I did is I changed my my program evolved, like I began with just musicians, then I expanded to business owners and you know people in film, people actors, and then I started talking to you know life coaches, started talking to you know SEO people, started talking to CEOs. So I started to be, I had a concept as a musician what I call expansive sound. So expansive sound mm. means I can do jazz, I can do rock, I can do punk, I can do every genre. Because I'm a musician, I'm a producer, so I like all genres. And so I don't get locked into any one. I like all, I like, I like almost everything. So I said, well, why not do the podcast the same way? So I don't have to just interview musicians, I can interview anybody. And so once I did that, I opened up my possibilities and I didn't get bored. I think some mm. people who get bored were the people who had a narrow focus and then eventually they didn't see the numbers they liked and then the numbers start dropping because what happens to podcasting if you stay in the same lane your numbers will drop or unless you somehow perfect it you you usually your numbers will drop and you need to find other lanes and uh if you're not comfortable with those other lanes then you might not be able to be successful but i think you have to be more adventurous more willing to go beyond your own narrow focus so that that was my strategy. I think you <laughs> you raised such a key point there because I think a lot of times people who do certain things stick by it and they don't evaluate, right? The very three simple questions that we will need to think a lot is what worked, what didn't work, what could I do differently? And if you actually spend time even every week, right? Five minutes. Look back from Monday to Friday. What worked? What didn't work? What could I do differently? If you pull out three points, that can change so many areas in our life, our business, our relationship, our time management, our finances, excuse me, and you know, health and well-being. And we just implement, right? Even if we move the needle by like 10, 15%. That is significant because imagine if you change 1% every single day, you're 7% better by the end of the week. And 7% compound that because more often than not, you will not improve by 1% on me. Because once you get good at something, it's a compounding growth. We multiply what we do. We multiply it in leaps and bounds. 10x that, we 300x that, we 1000x that. Yeah, it's like so then that is exponential growth. That is expansion. That is global reach. That is reach beyond the ends of the earth. And that's what we're looking for. Well, it's like the lessons learned, you know, because I'm an IT guy, right? We use iterative development. Right. We use uh, you know a lot of concepts that basically in software design, it's changed from waterfall to agile, which means that we can do this iterative development process 
And in that's why when you have software, like on your phone, it's always updating because it's never done. Yes. Right? The software is never done. We finally got to the point, like I've been a software guy since the 90s or even the mid 80s. And we used to put out CDs and then we're like, oh, now we got to put out a whole nother product because we couldn't send updates as much because it would go out on a CD yes. or went out on a tape. But now just do a Wi-Fi update or LTE update over the network, we can continually improve the software so mm. we don't have to be embarrassed if we had a mistake. We can continually fix it. So we're never done. We're always improving. And I've always kind of yes. looked at that. You can look at that for your life because we have you know meetings in IT where we do lessons learned. We'd say, what did we do wrong? What do we need to do better? How did we yes. get this? You know, and so we actually really take a hard look at what we did and why, oh, this isn't working. We thought it was going to work, but it doesn't. So we really critically look at it. And I think if individuals do that with your life and your business plan and even your, your just your normal day activities, you think of it like what worked, like a coach mm. on a sports team, like they have to analyze, did that play work or did that play not work? You know. Every single game. I want yeah, to add yeah. one thing that I witnessed. Sorry, in 2012, <clears throat> excuse me, I had the privilege of rolling out Salesforce across the country. And one mm. of the areas that we started out is we created all the framework, the infrastructure, the workflow, 75% of that. Then we test it for the whole state. We have more states to go through, but we test it for one state we get feedback. And for that state, what we do is we do 20% of the group and then we get them to play, we get them to test, we get them to give us feedback. That feedback is so powerful because if mm -hmm. you get it from the right people who genuinely care about it, mm -hmm. you can really revolutionize the whole system to a whole nother level. And then it is addressing with people who always have this area of perfectionism. You know, there's one side of people who needs everything to be perfect to get things going. Now, for those who are listening to this and you are, you know, aiming for perfection, here's the thing about perfection. There's no such thing as being perfect because everyone's definition of perfectionism is so different, right? We are raised we differently. We are brought up in different family environment. We speak and we connect very differently. And so if we really think about perfectionism if we allow 75% of that, right? B plus and just go with it, take the action. You receive the feedback loop, you improve and are willing to improve. You're willing to remove that ego and go, actually, we can adjust this. We can mm -hmm. correct this um, error. We can improve it this way. That is the fastest way to success. That is yeah. one quickest, fastest way to succeed in life. So ask feedback, Lou. Ask for people who you trust, who you respect, who you admire, and just go with the flow. Just do it. Take massive action and do the work. And then continue to evolve, continue to learn, continue to grow. Because if you don't grow, either way, you remain stagnant. And if you remain stagnant, you're going backwards. So best is to actually move forward by, you know, getting feedback, 
asking for feedback, integrating the feedback, because you can ask for a lot of feedback and not taking the feedback seriously and integrating that as well will not move anything forward into the future. So I hope this, you know, few tips really help people, you know, consider um, that change is not just, you know, a change for now, but it's a continuous change and improvement for the future as well. You know, the continuous improvement models are really important. And, you know, I, working in Japan, we were in a kind of zero defect management. And that was very hard sometimes because they would put the same level effort on a, on a level 10 defect, which is very low level, as a level one. So a level one yeah. got the same attention as level 10 because they can't have any defects. <laughs> so, so, so it's like, you're like, okay, well, you know, in, in, from the Western, you know, U.S. model was the 10 isn't as important, so we're not going to do that one first. And we dealt with the Japanese management. They were like, no, you got to do them all at the same level because you can't have any errors at all. <laughs> so so that, that that's a different perspective. And I understood it, and I understood why they wanted it that way. They, they had a different level of rigor that they wanted. And I, I, I had mm. to adjust to it to get as close to that as possible. And I got convinced a lot of the Western um, business people that we've got to adjust to get as close as possible and then get them to realize we rework our grid. So the 10, you know, the one in the 10 are more meaningful given that context. And then we got them to accept it. Once we increased our quality, we had to go and do a big assessment that the quality we thought was okay in our world was okay, but in their world it wasn't. So we had to adjust, mm. but um, I think you just have to understand what environment. And that was a really big lesson, like East versus West is this like, you know, it's just a different yes. mentality and being in that business environment for two years, it, it taught me a lot, but, but also like as a musician, one culture thing always, as well. Yeah. Culturally it was great. You know, coming from um, an emerging country like Malaysia and, you know, being raised there, there's one thing that they don't want to give feedback because they feel that they are, you know, putting someone in a difficult position. So they will mm -hmm. just acknowledge everything is working fine. And that in itself is not healthy either, because a lot of people go, it's not fine, but nobody wants to address it because they don't want to be the bad one, seen oh. as someone that gives feedback at the same time. But the art is to know how to give feedback gracefully, because a lot mm -hmm. of people also have you know, different styles of giving feedback. And some of them are not so gracious, not so kind. And <laughs> yeah. they give back feedback out of like, you know, heaviness or, you know, all sorts of, you know, unpleasant negative emotions. And yeah, then they don't give feedback with, you know, such joy that move things forward. So it's also... Next thing is to master the art of giving feedback and, you know, supporting the feedback right through because it's actually quite interesting. Sometimes we'll give feedback out of very selfish reasons, you know, they want it, you know, for their own benefit. But if you yeah. think long term, how you can give feedback in a way that is very gracious, that's kind, that is for the benefit of everyone, that also is a skill to master that's also is a skill to even upgrade if you are giving feedback because all of us you know business leaders you know ceos of our own companies and you know board members of different board positions we are expected to communicate that 
to help people improve continuously. So managing um, the feedback coming through and then receiving the feedback to integrate it to improve and know which one, right? There's tons of feedback. Sometimes there are also feedback that is endless, but you also need to know how to create boundaries and know how to manage those boundaries and know how to integrate them at the right place at the right time with the right people as well. It's also like time management. Like if you're thinking about like a scrum session, let's say you have a scrum mm-hmm. session, you got 20, you got 20 people. They're each going to get like a minute or two minutes to give a status. If anybody kind of goes over it, the meeting suddenly could go over their allotted time and you're trying to keep it on, on point. So like a, a yes. good manager, it, it's really trying to get to the, to the elevator uh, analysis in that meeting, right? I just yeah. need you to give me two paragraphs about where you are. And if yes. we need to do a follow-up, we'll do a follow-up meeting and kind of stick into that rule so you can actually get through everybody so you can get a good assessment on where you are. Because if you only if you have 20 people and you only go through five of them, you missed all those other points of view and you might miss what where you really are. You're trying to get an assessment of where you are and you're not getting it because you're not sticking to your kind of process. Mm, spot on. And then giving everyone the airtime to give feedback because not everyone is confident to raise, you know, their perspective. And a lot of people wouldn't want to be perceived as, you know, the bad person. So when you actually have a roundtable and everyone is given the time to share their perspective, what was good, what wasn't, and what do you suggest could improve, that could make a huge, huge difference in so many aspects of our life. Mm. Definitely. And then a lot of the things when you're talking about being perfect, <clears throat> like a lot of, as a producer of music, I've always been into what they call the happy accident, which means... Sometimes like when we do music, we'll do 10 takes, we'll do a hundred takes of a song, which means we keep on going at it different ways. What I tend to find and I tell the people is like the first 10 takes, like in that first 10 takes is the original intent of the music. By the time mm. you get to take 100, you've rethought or you're, you're, you're basically don't trust yourself anymore. You keep on changing it. And it's probably not anywhere near what your original honesty or artistic intent was. And you're, you're, you're trying to make it perfect. So you're taking all the nuance out of it and you're actually, what ends up happening when you've talked to big, big artists like Elton John and these really big artists, they'll say, you know what, on Yellow Brick Road, everything's third, fourth take. And to mm. young kids today, they're like, oh, cause they do like a hundred takes. If you see a lot of the old masters that did stuff like the Eric Clapton's, all these big people, you go back and see they did less takes or they took the earlier yeah. takes and said that that was the song because they started to trust their initial intention. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you have to kind of trust your initial point of view because if you keep on reworking it, sometimes you pull all the magic out of it. Perfect point because that's where I think we get the feedback externally and then Internally, we need to also really tune into our higher self, our inner voice, our heart space. And that's where, you know, you know, different people sense that differently, right? For me, I'm in human design, a projector, 
splenic, you know, authority. That's where I'm recognized. That's where I know, all right, this is right for me. For others, it might be your gut. For others, it might be your left ear. So I think knowing how your body speaks to you and how to create that excitement and how you practice tune in. And some of us may trust God, creator, whoever that you believe in, that you connect with your spirit guides, your light beings, you know, bring all the help you can because we are spirit beings, right? We are, we've got a soul. And so if we connect that whole package together, we create the most beautiful, magical product. But it is actually taking time because, you know, you need the creative space because we've got left brain and right brain. And we need the combination of both. Neither or can be healthy because it creates an imbalance. But if we bring both balance together, that's where you sometimes listen to some product and you go like, oh my God, that is magical. Yeah. That's yeah. created in the most sacred, beautiful, delicious place. And you know that we're human beings. We're tuned to recognize that. And so it's just that ability to recognize that the recipe for success for any product or any services is to know how to balance the whole, you know, yin and yang, call them or yeah, feminine and masculine energy. Yeah. The flow of things, the flow of life. Because one of the things I also explain to people, like I'm a, I'm a synthesis, so I play synthesizers. And there's old technology called analog that come from hand-built kind of transistor-based old technology. It's not digital. And they still make analog today, and they tend to be hand-built. And so what the difference is, analog synthesizers that are hand-built don't sound the same. Even from the same line, they all sound a little different. They're more like somebody building a guitar for you. And if it's custom built, it doesn't sound the same as the next one. And sometimes yeah. as a musician, you want something that gives you a unique sound because so if you go with a digital synth, every single one of them is going to be the same. They're all going to sound the same. It's like, oh, that's perfect. But sometimes you don't want that. You want something that's unique. You want that custom built thing. And so yes. like in, in the difference between analog and digital is that the analog system is actually more customized and more personal. And so yes. today you have people who like to, you know, there's a lot of drive in the industry to have custom built things that are uniquely for an individual. So it's not the same as everybody else's. Mm. 100%. We still need to infuse, right? Our unique gifts and talents. And that's where I also teach a lot of people. There's definitely many ways to get to a destination but what is important is to infuse who you are like your unique traits your weirdness you know your something that is so about you that you need to integrate that in to make it more and there's room for that there's room mm -hmm. for everyone to shine that's the fact of the matter because there is enough space enough room for everyone to bring in your unique self and true essence into the picture. Well, that's also with like networking. The reason a lot of times you want to collaborate is because you don't want to just have a clone of you. 
you want somebody mm. that's going to bring something else to the table. So no matter what product or anything in business you're doing, you want to take the skill set of this person that has a skill set that you don't have, or they have yes. a capability that you don't have. You, I mean, what would be boring if you just take everybody's got the same skill set and put them in the same room and say, what are you going to get? You know, it, like if they're all clones of everybody else, you know, what's that? It's like what you want is like a team of individuals that can come together and create something unique. And mm. they all have something to bring to the table. It's kind of like when yes. you have a band. If you think about a yes. band, like the Beatles, John, yeah. Paul, George, and Ringo, they all had yeah. a unique piece to bring them that that created the Beatles by themselves. They don't, they're not the Beatles. But when they get together, yeah. they're the Beatles. The same thing can happen in a business. You can have your equivalent of the Beatles. <laughs> Absolutely. And there's so many different ways to do it. You know, of course, there's key frameworks that we follow, but is the ability to create different ways of doing it that really brings, you know, alignment, brings joy, brings abundance, and it feels safe for everyone to contribute as well. No one is left out. And inclusivity is important. And, you know, of course, we want to monetize, you know, um, the partnerships that we're part of. There's so many powerful ways. I mentioned earlier, you know, affiliate link that you can partner with someone through networking, through, you know, championing their program. And the more you do that, the better the world is. Because you know what? The world needs more good people to share and infuse quality messages, make quality introductions, help each other excel, connect with more people across the whole globe, different countries, different perspectives. It enriches our life with even more rich content. So absolutely, I, I couldn't agree more what you've just said. Now, who has been like the most important mentor that you've ever had? Or you could have many, but is there anybody memorable uh, that you could tell a story about that really impacted you? My grandparents are amazing. They are people that mentored me from a business perspective. My maternal grandparents have got their own business and I grew up in the business. I grew up, you know, living and tasting and working and understanding and walking in the business at the start of my life. And so my grandmother infused a lot of business principles into my life, whisper things, you know, to me. She would share, you know, what customer service means. She would show us, you know, how to run the finances of the business well. She would teach us, you know, processes, you know, because we run a wholesale business. So, you know, there's, you know, storage um, warehouse that we are part of that, you know, how to count and how to make sure that, you know, different products that come in. We've got over 100 items in our um, product list. You know, how do you categorize them? All those things, I witnessed them. And so... She's always been someone that I admire most as my mentor. And, you know, she taught me about the value of money. She taught me about, you know, so many key principles to the very, very last day of her death. She still went back to the family business that very morning to really experience that. 
because that was mm. one of her last wishes that she wanted to be in that environment. I mean, it was her baby, right? She lived, breathed, mm. made it a multi, multi-million dollar business. So she passed away about four-ish in the afternoon, but in the morning, you know, she she wanted us to really take her to have one more last visit. And so I, I remembered so many things that she spoke and she was very good in poems and she would say poems to us. And, you know, that has got so much insight, depth, wisdom in it. And it's just like, wow, that is, you know, someone that I really admire and felt so blessed to live with and learn so much in my life. And so I had many other mentors that I could call out that, you know, my grandmother is one hell of a mentor that, I absolutely feel so deeply appreciative of the fact that she passed on so much knowledge into my life. Yeah, that's a great, great relationship to have that with, with an elder that was so wise and could give you that kind of, you know, leg up in, in the world to, to give you a, a very good perspective. Um, that's like, you know, it's coming from a really awesome place to get that from, from your family. Um, I guess another question in a, in a different point is like, what lesson in your life taught you something that um, you think everybody should learn about? I think when you reach to a point in life, it's important to stop letting the external world teach you, show you, tell you what to do. It's important to take your power back and learn to own your voice, stand in your own truth, know what you stand for, know your own values. Because a lot of us are influenced by media, TV, publications, you know, friends, network. And sometimes we're so immersed in that. We mm. don't have the courage to pull ourselves out of that. And that way we can live 50 years, 70 years, you know, of our lives doing the same thing over and over again. So here's my invitation. My invitation is to allow yourself to get to know who you are. And the art behind that is to know what you stand for and take the time, take the time to go, what do you really stand for and what you want to show the world even more, your unique essence of who you are, your skills that sometimes you bit and you never want to let it shine. You hid it in some treasure chest that should be made known to this world. And sorry, you know, pull them out, dream big, you know, dream big, bold, scary dreams. If you look back at your dream and it doesn't scare you, your dream is not big enough and you need yeah. to really create crazy wild dreams. The biggest powerful organ in our body is our brain. We visualize what we visualize, we feel it, we take action, it becomes our reality. Either way, right? Negatively or positively. Why not create our future with our brain power? It's with us. It's in us. It's available to us. So access that for your own benefit. Take the time out. Remove yourself from all the noise and distractions of the world. And start to quiet yourself down and ask yourself, listen to your heart. What is it saying to you? And once you start doing that more and more and make it a ritual, five minutes, you might start a day. And then you increase that to seven minutes. You increase that to 18 minutes. 
increase that to 21 days, that's where true magic is birthed out of that place and time. I think definitely a lot of people um, create kind of glass ceilings for themselves instead of, in terms of what is possible because they get scared of that dream big, right? And so, and they also sometimes people confuse beliefs with values, right? So they got a belief and it's actually not a value. And an example of that mm. is like, well, I want respect. Is it what well, respect is the value, right? But then if you get respect through like aggression, it's probably not really going to give you the result you wanted. And if you think that that's your value, but your value is your belief is like their aggression, but you think that's a value and it's part of your respect, but it's not, it's not, it's not, you know, a good value to not respect other people with some aggression or aggressive actions that are not positive. So it's saying that a lot of people just have to kind of look in the mirror or look inside themselves and ask themselves, where did you get that belief from? Where mm. did you get your value from? Start to critically analyze why are you doing what you're doing? Is what you're doing making you happy? Is what you're doing bringing you joy, bringing you where you need to be? Or you're like on a hamster wheel doing the same thing all the time. No matter where you go, you keep on doing the same thing. No matter who you meet, you do the same thing because you're not learning, right? You're not getting out of your pattern. It's not the other person. It's you, right? So once you realize that you've got to take some responsibility for your like inner child or what's going on and actually determine, mm. you know, what your values and belief systems are and not get confused on which one is which, then I think you can move forward. Spot on, spot on. I love the way you describe it. It's so powerful and it is the work. It is the work. It's the devotion of that, that we can get so busy in our lives that it doesn't allow us to pause. And it's okay to pause. It's okay to take time out of your busy life. It's okay to make time to really... <clears throat> excuse me, understand who you are. And, you know, you post quite a few powerful questions. And if our audience really take the time after this podcast to just journal those questions that you call out, right? You know, who you are, what you believe in, what you stand for. Are your beliefs limiting beliefs or beliefs that can expand your horizon? And if you can really take the time and journal that out, and journaling is powerful because... A lot of us, you know, put notes on our digital, you know, phones and laptops and all that. But here's the challenge. Buy yourself a journal. Write it out. Go into yeah. nature. It's a Go bushwalking. <laughs> you know, just, we have, we have you know, somewhere fun. Yeah, we, we, you know, as a Draw. songwriter, I have like a, a real like journal. Because a lot of yes. the times it's, it's like it, all songwriters kind of start as poets. Right. So we like to write it down. Right. So I've got all the stuff I've written down since I was like 17. And every time yes. I interview a lot of songwriters, they'll all point out that they usually started with poetry. They usually have a diary yes. that they continue yes. to use that diary. They continue to write in a journal. It's usually something in a piece of paper, like in a book. Yes. Like, and that's how a lot of the ideas get fleshed out. That, that mm. we, we have these ideas, we put them down whether we're walking in the woods or we're just thinking about it, we might put it in a voice memo and then put it back into a thing. But 
it's actually chronicling chronicle you know chronicle the things that are going on in your head so you don't forget them and that's part yes. of the creative process is the creative person will kind of chronicle that stuff and they will turn into a painting it will turn into a music it will turn into a piece of art yes. because they they they're processing the things that happen and they're also taking all the events that are internal and external and then using mm. it to drive the creativity. And you can say yes. that's the muse or the universe or whatever, but that's how a creative person is able to do what they do is, is they, they can process that and then turn it into something that people can understand or people appreciate and see some connection to. Mm. And here's the one thing that creativity comes in a way that is like a gentlest whisper. It's like a drop. I call it like, you know, how a spider drop down from the web. It's just like a drop. It's no force, no push, or it's like a butterfly landed on your hand. It's mm -hmm. just there and it's magical. And that's where you know that energetic, that magnetism is natural. That is true magnetism. And when you have that and you go away and create that and convert that into, you know, what others can receive and enjoy and find pleasure in, that is a gift to the world. And we need more of that. So let's go out and do that. Let's go out and really, you know, explore our own creativity and create out that place of abundance out of a heart that's so in tune for kindness, for generosity, for goodness in the world. We need more and more of that. So the more we do that, the world will be much better place to live in. Yeah, and then the creativity isn't just like you don't have to just be a musician. Like if you are like a, a speaker and you're doing presentations, you're creative and learning how to be that mentor, that life coach. You're 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 processing all the things that ever happened to you. You you're learning. You're having all your lessons learned. You're you're and you you're applying them. And you're putting it in a language that large groups of people can understand. So it's a creative mm. process to be able to take that out of your head and actually convey it in a way that other people get what you're saying. That in itself is a creative process to be able to be that person that can be the motivational speaker, to be the life coach, to be the shaman. That that in itself is is a creative process. You have to work at it to come up with new programs or new speeches or new ideas to convey to other people. So that's why I was able to kind of take what I did with musicians and go, how can you move from this to that? And I said, well, it's not the process that the, the, all of these people are using is not that different. It's yeah. still the creative process. Absolutely. No, that's powerful. I love that. I love that. And, you know, I think it's applying to everyone. You know, young, old, whatever stage of life you're in, whether your mother working from home or your mother full-time or, you know, and you're someone in different sector, in, in different industry, these simple tips that, you know, Phantom is talking about, I'm sharing today, is something that if you take the time to do that, it doesn't have to be long. All you need to is, you know, 10, 15 minutes, in a quiet spot, you know, maybe outside the porch of your house, maybe go out for a walk by the beach, maybe, you know, go for a swim. Like for me, 
I engage most when I'm close to water. Like that's where my creativity will just flow. It's like endless flow of ideas. I, I can't keep up, you know, in capturing them. So, you know, whether your, your way of how the universe speaks to you or how your inner self bring, you know, new ideas into your world, just acknowledge that, receive that, accept that, and just bring it out into what the world needs and uh, enjoy it. Enjoy the process as well. Have fun, have fun, have fun. So I think we're at the close of our conversation, but up, you know, below us, we've had this link to your calendar and it's on for a strategy call. Maybe you can tell people what, what happens when they click when they, that's going to be clickable, but what happens when they schedule that? Can you tell people kind of briefly what that means? Absolutely. So that is the link for me to do a complimentary 45 minutes gap analysis call. So I wanted to help as many people as can. If you book that call, it's free. And it allows us to really get to know each other, to really know what areas you are facing challenges in, but what areas you're doing really well. And with that facts we gathered in mind, you can go away and make even better decisions for your life, for your business. And if there's any way further that I can assist you, I am here. So that is complimentary. So take advantage of that. I look forward to, you know, having conversations with people from different types of industries, from different, you know, levels of authority, leadership. It is available for you. And uh, I would love to reach out, um, have you reach out to me on, you know, LinkedIn, in Facebook or Instagram, and we can get to know each other even better and follow each other and, you know, support each other more and more in this world that we are trying to create a positive impact. Well, I really loved our conversation uh, tonight, at least in, in New Hampshire, it's the nighttime. Um, so, yeah, I, I always uh, implore people to click the links. These will be clickable when we're fully published. So when you find this on Apple Podcast or Spotify Podcast or Google Play or YouTube, that link on the calendar will be uh, for that strategy call will be clickable. So you'll be able to go right to it. Again, thank you very much for being on the program. Uh, it's, it's been great talking to you and uh, hope we can talk again in the future. We tend to have people we've talked to over the years come back if they have something else that they want to tell our audience about. So I uh, thank you for being on the program. We really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure speaking with you. You're an amazing, amazing podcast host, and I wish you every success in what you do. Thank you very much. Have a good night. Or if it's daytime, it's probably daytime in where you are. <laughs> Bye. Bye.